0: Hey Bolt fam, welcome back and thanks for listening to another episode of Chargers Powder Hour. Chargers Powder Hour is a brand new Los Angeles Chargers podcast that combines the latest team news, storylines, guest interviews, and analysis of the games with friendly beer and banter. In today's episode, Miles and I talk about the right tackle position again and we address the importance of that position and just who we think is going to come out victorious in the training camp battle between Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins. So it's a really good one. You don't want to miss it. Also, make sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, if you haven't already, at Powder Hour pod LA for all the latest news and updates about the pod. Thanks so much. Bolt up. We are back with another episode of Charger's Powder Hour. We are your host. My name is Colin.
1: And I'm your other host, Miles.
0: Hey, good job there, buddy. Yeah, that, tough I, one, that, that, took, want...
1: that took me a second, but yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, back for another episode today. Uh, we skipped an episode on Monday, so forgive us for not putting out any content on Monday. Yeah. Um, I know it's kind of a slow period, unfortunately, with uh, it being the dead of the summer when it comes to the off-season, but we're back, and uh, how are you doing today, man? What are you you drinking over there?
1: So, I have spent, I hope that you had a great weekend, because I guess we haven't really talked about it, but I spent...
0: Yeah, how how was your weekend?
1: Tell us about that. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, My weekend was really good. Um, I'm in the process of moving into a house right now. And exciting. Those of you college baseball fans might know that College World Series is going on right now, and that is hosted in Omaha, which is about 45 minutes from where I'm living. So I spent, I was on a complete bender literally last Friday night, first night in the new house through Tuesday night of just drinking. So a little worse for wear this week, but I went to two games tuesday one game monday and just consumed a lot of alcohol but had a great time so today i am drinking highland chocolate milk nice as a matter of fact i wish i could get a good can crack for you guys but it doesn't really work
0: that way but i'm i heard the uh heard the little snap twist off of the the plastic there that works yeah
1: so we'll that's take it no, I'm I'm also just literally clean out of alcohol, and I just don't think my body wants a beer right now. So I'm gonna treat it you right. You ever
0: tried? You ever tried the old Pedialyte trick? Oh or yeah, i I've, I've, I've
1: done it all, but I don't know. Yeah, sometimes Pedialyte's amazing, man. Pedialyte sometimes, sometimes but can save um, you,
0: it can literally just revive you, especially if like you go too hard too fast. Like let's say it is a weekend bender. That, like you're supposed to be on but it's like you just absolutely fucking hammer it on a friday night and like saturday you're just trying to stay alive like, pedialyte not only can like bring you back but it can like give you that extra boost you yeah. going forward too. it's amazing i it's mean when i when i really like
1: sorry but when i say that we hammered it i mean <laughs> friday night hammered it saturday night hammered it sunday night hammered it all day monday hammered it all day tuesday hammered it so i just don't I feel fine, but I just don't I don't hey, need it's, it. I don't need a drink. It's right summertime,
0: now. man. It's summertime. Yeah. You gotta send it as many times as possible. The only the only times you shouldn't be hammering it is because you're recovering. So I mean you're not doing it wrong.
1: No. But then I I need to start getting back in the gym. I need to get after it. So I'm gonna get some calcium in me. I'm gonna get some a little bit of protein. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and drink this Highland chocolate milk. I'm gonna be proud
0: of it. Yeah, that actually makes me want chocolate milk now. But I, however, am not drinking chocolate milk. I am drinking the Goose Island lemonade shandy.
1: Oh yeah, we've yeah we've
0: had those. Yeah, these are. I don't know if I, I don't know if I drank this on the last pod. If I was drinking something else, but um, yeah, very good. They we I got the variety pack, and uh, there's a lemonade. Flavor, there's like a grapefruit lemonade and a strawberry lemonade not crazy about the the grapefruit and the strawberry i mean they're they're drinkable they're not totally like dog shit but the lemonade like just the good old lemonade shandy is it's tough to beat yeah i that's what
1: i was sucking down at the world series was coors light and lining kugels summer shandies so there's nothing there's nothing that goes better with baseball than a good summer shandy, especially when it was,
0: I think it was like 98 one day. So, yeah. Yeah. And Goose Island's one of those shandies that I'd lo- I love. I love Line and Kugel. That's probably my favorite. Um, but Goose Island has is a very respectable, very good uh, shandy as well. And uh, like I said, different. I don't know if Line and Kugel has different, they just have summer shandy. I know they have like different brews, but uh, Goose Island has different flavors of like shandy beers. so uh, gotcha. try them out. Um, I think you can get them, pick them up wherever you you know to your nearest packaging liquor store. But uh, they are they're only oh they're four point two percent, so you could you could uh, slam these at a good at a good pace. You know if you're if you're out there day drinking or uh, out on a on a boat out by the water by the ocean on the beach. great beer
1: yeah no i do i have had the lemonade the exact one that you're drinking and they they go down like water so they're pretty delicious so
0: all right man um well you came up with today's icebreaker so why don't you uh let let our listeners hear what it is all right so
1: icebreaker today kind of wanted to get back on sports related stuff been going to some baseball games some just i'm pumped for this fall but uh my icebreaker today i got what is the best sporting event that you've ever been to in person non chargers related because we've talked before about how many great chargers games we've been to but outside of the chargers what is your most memorable experience most memorable game that you went to that you've been in attendance at
0: yeah that's a good one um I'm going to go with – I'm going to cheat and say – I'm going to cheat and say it's going to be like one trip to two different games. But it, it's – I'm lumping them together. I'm cheating. Screw it. So when I was in middle school, my dad took me to Boston and to New York to go on a baseball. Like uh, we used to go on baseball trips where we'd go and try to c- cross off as many ballparks as we could. And this is right, right by the time when Yankee stadium was the old Yankee stadium was about to be torn down and they were starting to build the the new one. So my dad's like, I got to take you to the old Yankee before they tear it down. Then we'll also hit Fenway. You know, we, uh, catch a train up to Boston, hit Fenway, kind of knock off like two really historic parks on the same, you know, trip. And so, not significant in the way that like the game was crazy and it it was like a walk-off grand slam or, you know, like a, like a no hitter or just an extra inning crazy game, but just the, uh, yeah, just having that, that moment with my dad and that memory of like being at the old Yankee stadium and, and being in the same place that, you know, all these legends played. Um, I think, and the, the, the cherry on top was they actually, the stars lined up and the Padres were actually playing them when we went to see him. So really? we got to see our favorite team um, play at the old Yankee stadium. And I, what I remember, the Padres got absolutely massacred. So like I said, the game itself, <laughs> like uh, doesn't play it really into it, but just the experience of it for me, I'd probably say like a combination of being at Fenway or uh, Yankee stadium. Cause it, since it's non charger related, that was a really tough one for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So those are great answers. I've I've never been to Yankee Stadium or Fenway. I've been to Citi Field, which is the Mets. But other than that, I've only been to two. Yeah, we also – I think we also
0: hit Shea Stadium on that same trip as well. um, Before – they were actually tearing down Shea and the old Yankee at the same time. So both the new stadiums I missed, they were just going up. But it was a great trip. Awesome.
1: Sweet. Yeah, sorry if you guys can hear a little yippy dog barking in the background. My mom just got home, so but so for me, my favorite non-sporting event, as you guys know, we've mentioned it a bunch of times. We've we're from Nebraska, uh, born and raised Husker fans. You know the old bug eaters, the one of the greatest football dynasties of all time. Maybe not currently, but back in the day. So I've been to quite a large amount of Husker sporting events, but by far the one that really spoke out to me was – so the year was 2013 or 14, I want to say, and Nebraska was like 3-6, and 3-7, and seven, not going to make a bowl. And we had a night game at Memorial Stadium against number seven, Michigan State. And <laughs> – sure enough they came in and nebraska beat them on a touchdown with like 15 seconds left to go up it was like a controversial touchdown because the receiver was out of bounds and obviously you know if the receiver goes out of bounds and then touches the ball it's supposed to be illegal touching but the refs ruled yeah, it that should he have yeah but um the refs ruled that the cornerback forced him out of bounds which then eliminates the illegal touching um it was like a 28-yard touchdown with – I don't even remember how much time was left. but Because I know that Michigan State did get the ball back, but they didn't have a ton of time to go down the field. So I want to say with like 30 seconds left. But if you guys know anything, I highly doubt many of you guys have been to a game, especially a night game at Memorial Stadium. It is maybe the best atmosphere in all of college football. I'm obviously biased, but it is – like Husker fans don't – they don't play around. So, having 95, yeah, what does uh, uh people...
0: what does Will Compton say on the uh, the Bussin with the boys podcast? He's like, Yeah, Nebraska's different, different, like we're, yeah, we're different. Are. Here. Um, like some context for those of you, uh, and real quick, because we don't want to spend too much time talking about the Huskers, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's like 90,000 every Saturday sold out, you know, I don't even know if SoFi has 90,000. Seats, which is like to give you, like, put it to put in perspective, like, how many people show up for a mediocre Division I college football program. But a large part of that is, uh, like, Miles said, I mean, just the, the heyday of uh, the 90s and 80s and 70s and the decades of dominance. But yeah, it's it's different out in Nebraska for sure. Um, yeah. That's a great answer. I, I remember that game. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I remember drinking at that game and then blacking out. And then, uh, yeah, it was. I was in college, so I was. I never made it to the game. Let's just say that.
1: Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, no, I was. I was still. I was gonna be like a freshman. In high, I was probably like a freshman in high school, so I was there, and just like that atmosphere. I mean, we were. We stayed in our seats for forty-five minutes after the game because everybody was just going bonkers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like Husker,
0: said, Husker. Husker fans don't it.
1: play around. We have what? How many consecutive sellouts? Three hundred something.
0: Yeah, it's like 300 plus. It's dating back to like the 70s. It's insane. So if
1: you guys haven't caught a game at Memorial Stadium, Nebraska, especially a night game, you got to do it. But yeah, watching them beat the number seven team in the midst of their mediocrity that season and the mediocrity that has been Husker football for the last like 10 seasons, it's insane. So get yourself some tickets to Memorial Stadium.
0: Yes, sir. All right, man. Good stuff. That's a good icebreaker. Yeah. Great question. You. Um, all right, going on. So what I wanted to talk about, um, you know, the, the main topic of today's episode is by far, you know, uh, we got to address that right tackle spot again. It's, we'll continue to address it. It's going to be a very hot topic throughout the summer and, and the rest of this off season, especially going into camp and then going into preseason and, and then uh, eventually the regular season. But, um, Daniel Popper of The Athletic, athletic released an article today. Um, and he actually had the chance to catch up with Trey Pipkins and, and ask him some questions about, you know, just his season overall, um, you know, how he's feeling, um, what he's done this offseason to, you know, to get ready for this opportunity that, you know, that frankly doesn't come along very often. And that's, you know, starting starting position in the NFL. And, um, you know, he's now entering his fourth year, I believe. So, you know, we, we've always kind of known that Trey Pipkins is a developmental piece. You know, I, I think when Tom Telesco took him in the third round back in 2019, I mean, I mean, that's, that's kind of been, you know, his, uh, identity, I guess as an NFL player is, you know, it's uh, developmental, um, he's a project, and unfortunately for him, he did get thrown into action pretty, pretty like soon his rookie season. Um, and pr- trying to protect a guy like Phillip Rivers, who just really isn't that mobile. And, um, you know, it's, it's tough to come into the NFL, especially coming from, was he like D3 or D2? Yeah,
1: he was D D3. He went to Sioux Falls, which is really, yeah. just, that's so, what took two hours from us. So
0: a tough ask really for anyone, but, uh, you know, now I want to talk about, you know, where he's at this offseason because he's he's drastically turned things around in a pretty short time. And it's I'll, I'll be honest, it's it's a pretty small sample size. So take that with a grain of salt because, it, you know, I guess at the end of the day, we're really only talking about two games that we're kind of building all this hype around him on. And that, you know, we'll talk about those two games in a second. But um I want to hear your opening thoughts on Trey Pipkins, and I also have another couple questions for you, Um, but how do you feel about Trey Pipkins going into training camp in in 2022?
1: Well, I mean, not great right now, just after what we saw for a majority of last season. It just seems like he hasn't really come into his own. He hasn't really found his footing as a player in the league yet, but from Popper's article, it, I, it gives me a lot of hope that he's going to really kind of take the drastic measures that it's going to take to become a legitimate starting quality right tackle in the league. Um, so I, I do have hope. I, I honestly, I think on one of our episodes, we talked about who are we expecting to break out next year. I don't remember if it was you and me or maybe I chose somebody else, but Trey Pipkins was a guy that did come to mind as somebody who not only needs to break out, but definitely can based off of just kind of what was outlined in Popper's articles. It sounds like he's really going to go see, i always forget the dude his, who's the dude that he's training with this all season.
0: Yeah. So Duke, Duke Manyweather, uh, Duke Manyweather. the mastermind. Master I, 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 I always
1: forget his name because it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a strange name, but I, so I always forget
0: it, but yeah. It always looks like Mayweather, but it's many, many weather. I always want
1: to say Mayweather, but I know it's not Mayweather. So, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, so I, I, if he's a guy that's shaped a lot of players in this league who have gone on to have really great careers, and even some players who have maybe not gotten their foothold right away in their career, and he seems to have some sort of cure for it. So I'm, I'm hoping that he'll kind of show them some stuff and, I think that he Trey Pipkins could definitely break out next year.
0: Yeah. Uh, love that you brought that up because that's actually, a, I mean, it's great, great uh, transition point is that, you know, his, his season this last year was very rocky had a lot of ups and downs, more downs, I would say than actual ups, but it also did end on a very positive note for, for Trey Pipkins. Yeah. Um, and something that he has changed, um like you said is he he has he's he's now working out with Duke manyweather, who's you know largely i guess regarded as kind of the the offensive line mastermind, the guru, I guess, um with nFL NFL players and veterans. so um his gym in Dallas has kind of become like a hotbed of NFL like superstar talent when it comes to offensive line and just vets everywhere looking to, you know, improve their craft and, um, you know, improve their game. But, uh, it was actually, so according to Daniel Popper's article, it was actually Rashawn Slater and Bushi who continued to rave about many and just his offseason program and, and what it's done for them as players to the point where Trey Pipkins, you know, kind of started to bug them and, 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 uh, you know, asked started asking questions and kind of getting their input. And then he uh, eventually decided once the season ended back in January, that he was going to move to Texas for the part of the off season with his family um, and, uh, and work with, work with the guru himself. And uh, you know, that that's very positive because, you know, he's coming off a season that ended on a very strong note. And I think a lot of that, um, we talked about this right before we started recording. You can credit almost all of that to, to Frank Smith, the former offensive line coach that just accepted the uh, offensive coordinator job in Miami. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, you hate to see a guy like that leave, but you also, I mean, that's gives you another little bump of confidence, I guess, when you think about, um, you know, now Pipkins is, is working with, the offensive line guru in his off season, um, you know, even investing more time and energy into that, um, to try to become a better, a better, uh, tackle. So I'm, I'm very high on Pipkins. I know a lot of the buzz on Twitter today was, uh, you know, all Trey Pipkins and, you know, I think, you know, he, he deserves it at this point. I know it's, like I said, I know it's a small sample size, but for how much, and I'll admit it, I've, I've trashed him before. Um, especially those first two seasons. I mean, and, and even the beginning of last season, um, it was tough to watch I and mean, he's just, but you know, to be fair to him, I don't think he's ever been ready to be really in an NFL game, you know, or to, to let alone the start NFL game, but he did have those two really good starts, um, at the end of this last season. So yeah. Um, you know, love to see that, that he's working with, um, with those guys out in Dallas, but, uh, Uh, oh, and then on top of that too, you know, this is something that really is like, I guess a bonus of, of him being out there. And it's also something I read in the article, but, uh, you know, just think about all the, all the, like the mentorship, I guess, if you want to call it that he's also getting out there. Cause it's not just, you know, him and this guy working out one-on-one he's working out in with groups of guys like Rashawn Slater, Teron Armstead, like, you know, the some of the top NFL tackles and offensive linemen, like he's getting to work side by side with the guy, those guys, form relationships and kind of like pick their brain. So buy your stock now. I know I'm just gassing him up right now, but I mean, I, I, I love what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm huge on Trey Pipkins right now. He's, He's definitely my preferred starter at the moment. But uh yeah, like I just that's how that's how high I am on him.
1: Yeah, I um you brought up a lot of interesting points. I actually I thought of something just off the top of my head, which I think is kind of funny, just to dog on Anthony Lynn for a second. But um Anthony Lynn had that quote after Joseph Herbert's first start where he said he's a backup for a reason. Meanwhile, Trey Pimpkins was a guy who came in as a third round pick and was playing a lot of notable snaps as a rookie. So I just wanted, I just think that's, I just think that's kind of funny because Justin Herbert went out there, balled out, and Anthony Lynn still wanted him as a backup. Meanwhile, Trey Pipkins went out there as a rookie, kind of sucked, and no comments were made whatsoever. So yeah, I, I think that's kind of funny. But the thing about, um, the thing that I love to see about players is like when they're more self aware, like when they know, okay, I I need to improve this. What can I do to better up my game? So he's taken, he's taken not only the initiative to go see this guy, but move his whole family out to Dallas, Texas, just to improve his own game. So that's definitely something that I think, is kind of shown with some of the leadership on this team is guys are just always hustling, grinding to try to improve their game more and more. So, and I think Trey Pipkins has bought into that. And if, he, if he's bought into that, then I think a lot of other people are going to buy into that. So,
0: Well, I just, I mean, it go like actions like action to show a lot. And like you said, the fact that he's willing to move his entire family to Dallas, just to, hone his craft like it'd be so easy for for a guy to be like nah you know we're gonna stay put you know this is our home base you know I don't want to you know move the family I don't want to you know um or you know I don't want to be gone for work for a whole month by myself like I get it like the logistics of everyday life like these guys are humans too like football is not their whole life they have families they have other things that you know they, they have to do but yeah I mean it's just And it's, it doesn't sound, I mean, you would think everyone's wired that way, but i mean, with the NFL. I mean, there's guys that just aren't, you know, there's there's guys that rest on talent alone and that's awesome if you can do that. But, you know, I think everyone definitely roots for a guy like Trey Pipkins that, you know, didn't come in and, and wasn't an all pro uh, his first season, like Rashawn Slater, you know, there's, I think Daniel Popper kind of talked about that is there are, a thousand different paths to take to get to to become an NFL starter, really, at any position, and you know that's it's uh it makes stories like Trey Pipkins uh that much more fun to kind of like watch and enjoy the ride because you see him putting the work in, and uh, you know I'm going to be rooting for him come training camp. Uh, I just. You know how I feel about Storm Norton, especially after the Raiders game. Uh, yeah. it's, it was just such a pitiful, frustrated, like the probably the most frustrated I've ever been watching a football game at a single position player, which is saying a lot because there's been games where I've like screamed at guys, you know, like skill players, whether it's drops or just dumb decision making, whatever, you know, like we've all had like a what the fuck are you doing type moment but just to see him get beat, I mean snap after like it was demoralizing to watch and and just even just to see Justin Herbert like some try to orchestrate somewhat of a fucking comeback was amazing. Cuz like I don't know if there's any other quarterback in the league maybe outside of like Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes that could have like had that play at right tackle and still taken it down to the last 3 seconds in overtime.
1: Yeah, that game definitely shows two things. How garbage Storm Norton is and how good <laughs> Justin Herbert is. So, yeah, for sure. As as long as it's not Storm Norton that's going to be our starting tackle going into week one, I will be very open-minded about
0: whoever and, wins. I mean, court. we do have to give Norton some of his flowers because, I mean, he didn't... To his credit, like he didn't look that way all year. No, definitely. Like, not. and I know you're going against Max Crosby, but like, there were also other games where you're just like, yeah, like that's that's all. You, like, if you sum up his whole game, it's just like, yeah, like not great, not good, not terrible. I guess.
1: I think I think Storm Norton, like he's good against an average defensive end. But pair him with a superstar like Max Crosby, and he's going to get beat 9 out of 10 times.
0: Which, like, so is a guy like Trey Pipkins, probably. Like, you'd hope maybe not 9 out of 10, maybe like 7 out of 10. But, with, like, bottom line is the superstar edge rushers in this league are, like, their talent is going to beat just about 95% of tackles. Yeah. Like, there's just not that many good tackles that are walking – but right later. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's definitely in the hand one, like that 5%. Right. Like, but there's just, it's just kind of like the, 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 you know, the quarterback theory, like there's not, there's not 32 good quarterbacks on planet earth. That's why like some of these, you know, like the bottom third of the league, like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like the, like there's only going to be like, you know, a top tier level talent at each position level. And those are the guys outside of that. Like you're just going to have to accept the fact that like as good as we want Trey Pipkins to be like, he probably still won't stop Max Crosby. But to your point, like you were saying, you know, will he put up a, a better performance against as, you know, middle level teams. Um, and you just want that more of that scrappier performance. Cause Yeah, I just, I mean, I also think, we can talk about this for a second, the competition aspect. Because they're going to be openly competing for the right tackle, and we're talking about Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins. Um, Like, how how much better do you think that makes both of those guys? Do you think, I guess, how do you think that position battle goes? Because not every position battle kind of goes the same way you know there could be like i'm assuming there's going to be battles and and guys that like once they kind of feel like they're they're behind they'll just give up or what you'd hope for as a fan's perspective you know you you hope that they keep battling you know day after day and, and make each other better and then it's like whoever you have at the end of the day like he's He's better than who, whoever you had in the field a year ago because they both improved. So, I guess do you understand the theory. I'm kind of saying, like, yeah,
1: no, well, I I love that take. I, that's something that really never, that I never really thought of. So I, I do like that take. I think really a messy jumbled way to put it, but either one of these I guys, mean, whoever's going to be at right tackle, is definitely going to be improved from last year. I would like to think, especially through that right position battle. And so that's How I mean, yeah. much more improved is going to be the question to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah. And I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is we can't, it's unfair to Storm Norton to specifically, like, yeah, as bad as that game against the Raiders was, like, it probably was still would have been just as bad with Trey Pipkins. And we'd be talking a bunch of shit about Trey Pipkins right now. No, I, I 100% agree. 100%. So that's where, like, I go back to the small sample size with, with Pipkins. And like, I'm like, I'm really excited about him, and, and the after the article today from Daniel Popper, you know, I even tweeted on on our uh, accounts page, you know, Trey Pipkins stock to the moon, like, uh, you know, he's going to have this great year, and uh, we should get excited. Um, but I think we should also need to define what like a good slash great year looks like for Trey Pipkins because it's not like we're getting this Pro Bowl caliber right tackle all of a sudden to like adding him to the offensive line. Like what can we hope for, I guess, as like the best case scenario? Like, let's say it doesn't even matter who wins. Let's say whether it's Storm Norton or Trey Pipkins, what's the best case scenario you think we can can look for out of these guys going into the season?
1: Justin Herbert to remain healthy, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. I mean, uh, that's a loaded question. Just because I don't, I don't like watch a ton of like film on offensive linemen. Like for me, it's not. Well, a- even a- just from a, like
0: a fan's perspective, like okay. what, well, like you know, I mean, you've watched enough football. You know, you know what good offensive line play looks like. Oh and yeah. What bad offensive no. line play looks All like. Right, I'm looks, like play. I guess I want- like because you're gonna have you're gonna have games that like they're just not gonna be good. But that's because it's like when you play 17 fucking NFL games, like. Not everyone like yeah, like I said, if you're not a Rashawn Slater, that top five percent, like you're gonna have bad games, but how many bad games would you be willing to afford or can they have, I should say, be, before it's just like, oh fuck, like we we have to we have to get an upgrade or these these guys aren't the answer.
1: I'll allow them five bad games and only 10 times of me screaming either Storm Norton or Trey Pipkins at my TV. Any more than that, and it's not going to be great.
0: Because, I mean, the Chargers, I think, did save a little. I mean, you always want to save some money going into the the season uh, for in-season moves. But, I mean, we know Tom Telesco historically hasn't made a lot of trades now that now that we have Brandon Saley really kind of, you know, at the helm, I guess as well. I mean, that, that's a little different. We saw that this off season with just how many splashes we made, but I mean, they just historically haven't made a ton of trades in season. So, you know, I really get that sense of like, if they take, and they are taking these two guys into the season, they'll both be on the roster, but like, you know, what, what are the odds that we get to like week seven or eight? And it's very clearly that like both of these guys suck. Like none, like we, it doesn't matter who we put like there. It's like a, a, a reverse door of the same shitty players. Like we need an upgrade at right tackle. Um, Cause let's say we sustain an injury somewhere else on the line.
1: Yeah. like, then one it's of like that- Oh shit. Now we're really yeah. in trouble. Yeah, I want to not think about that, but then I think that you gotta. I know that we're we're high on this Jamari Salier dude. I know that we're really high on him. Um, yeah. that would be an option that I would look for. I know I was just bitching about how Pitkins has got too much playing time his first year, but I don't think that he was
0: ready for that kind of playing time.
1: Now, if well, an- it's
0: different different situation. He got like thrown into it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think, and this coaching staff has obviously proved that they're going to take whatever precautions it takes to ensure that they're not throwing somebody that's inexperienced, not necessarily inexperienced, but not ready for the limelight of an NFL game, put them out there and just have them get embarrassed. So, I mean, I would think that you could look to one of those younger guys and see, give them a chance and see what they can do.
0: Yeah. I mean the offense, I mean, by all metrics, I think this is still going to be a top 10 offense regardless I think the difference between them being a top five and a top ten at the end of the day, at the end of the season, is how healthy does the line stay. And it's just cross every finger, every toe, every limb on your body. But, like, they – if there's one – I mean, there, there's a couple other position groups. I mean, obviously quarterback, obviously, like defense to vend. Uh, but offense line is just as a unit, as a collective unit, it's one of those groups that you just – There's not, I mean, there's some depth now. There's some, we've added some, but there's not a lot. So it's just one of those units that cannot really afford to sustain any massive injuries. Yeah. So let's just hope that that doesn't happen. So fingers crossed, man. Um, So, yeah, I mean, are we, I think I've made this prediction. I'm going to keep, keep saying my prediction. So people know in case they haven't heard it yet, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm officially penciling in Trey Pipkins as my day one starter. Um, and I don't, I'm, I'm just looking forward to how camp goes. I don't know, you know, I know that it's going to be a lot of things that beat writers and and guys are, are writing about and talking about. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if it's uh, just kind of totally one-sided, if it's really close, if it comes down to the wire. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, Excited to see the competition and the fight that Storm Norton puts up.
1: Yeah, for sure. Definitely you can't battle to keep in mind.
0: So Nice, man. Um, so you saying Trey Pipkins, too?
1: Yes, I agree with you completely. Trey
0: Pipkins okay. will be the starting right tackle. Trey Pipkins or, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Jamari Sawyer. I don't I'm think Sawyer will be a
1: day one starter, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some no. quality playing time coming out of him.
0: Well, also, is he going to be a tackle? Like, I think that's that's a valid question, I think, to ask at this point, too.
1: And we simply just don't have enough information to know that yet, but that will be something we else. We don't, but
0: on. I think, well, we might. Didn't I want to say, let me look up, where did he uh... – I want to say he lined up at guard in minicamp. I know they. I think Papa wrote about it. Was it? I know that at Georgia he mostly played tackle. I knew that much. He kind of played everywhere. No, I can't remember now. Fuck, let me go back and look it up because I want to make sure I'm right. But day two takeaways. Let's see here. Let me go back to day one. Because I think I want to say my gut is telling me that he's been lining up at, in, on, in the inside. And honestly, like, I, I really can't be too mad about that because that's, that's even more inside depth.
1: Well, we also and, need outside uh, depth. So I think either or is going to be a pretty decent situation to have a guy like that. So. that's
0: also why we drafted the guy in the first place. Yeah. It's because he has experience, I think at all five spots on the line. So, um, I don't know. I can't find it. I don't want to spend too much time trying to dig for it, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Um, you know, I think, uh, all in all, it's like, you know, the depth is, the depth is there. I mean, it's not that you can't, I mean, you can't complain about depth, especially after the draft and and, uh, the off season that we've had. And, um, you know, I think we've addressed the right pieces, right? Tackle really is just kind of that, the one spot that hasn't been addressed. And I think, it it makes it even that much more exciting for the battle because it's like two guys that probably shouldn't be NFL starters, but uh, like they get the, the really cool opportunity to, to Duke it out. And and, uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would think whoever wins is going to be the outright starter. I guess they, they technically could also still maybe do some sort of like platoon or, you know, split, split time.
1: Yeah. but Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, my votes on Pipkins, your votes on Pipkins and we'll see how the off season goes.
0: We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, that's all I got. So we'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening to another episode of chargers Patter hour. This was episode number 19. Uh, today, we talked about Trey Pipkins, Storm Norton, the right tackle spot. Um, if you guys like what you hear, uh, make sure to check us out. You can check more of us out on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Um And also, make sure to leave us a review, hopefully five stars, on Spotify or Apple or Stitcher or wherever you guys listen. Um, we'd really appreciate it. And as always, bolt up. All right. Peace.